This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. Hey, struck out. That's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. In steps Brandon Lau, and he swings at the first pitch and pummels one to deep center. Going back is Green at the wall, and it's gone. This week in Rays Baseball starts right now. And welcome to our latest program, everybody. My name is Chris Adams-Wall. We're glad to have you with us. In this week's show, we'll get together with Rays first baseman Yandy Diaz to discuss the All-Stars' epic 2023 season, growing up in Cuba, and becoming a father for the first time. We'll talk with the Rays' longtime TV announcer, Dwayne Statz, to get some perspective on the Rays' 2023 season, as well as the story of how the play-by-play man wound up in St. Petersburg. Then we'll sit down with Rays dietitian Courtney Ellison to hear about what goes into deciding the team's nutrition. And finally, we'll hear from Rays broadcaster Andy Freed from Rogers Center in Toronto. And we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and our featured guest this week is Rays first baseman Yandi Diaz, joined by translator Manny Navarro. Thank you both for your time. Continuamos in this week in Rays baseball. Y nuestra invitado descatada, destacada. Esta semana es el primera base Andy Diaz, acompañado por Manny Navarro. Gracias a ambos por su tiempo. <laughs> Muchas gracias a usted. Yeah, thank you to you. So, Yandy, you are having the best year of your career here in 2023. Can you describe what it has been like for you? Estás teniendo el mejor año de tu carrera aquí en 2023. ¿Puedes describir cómo ha sido para ti? No, simplemente estar contento por, por, por todas las cosas buenas que me, que me están pasando y gracias por pues gracias a mi esfuerzo y a todo el sacrificio que he hecho, las cosas me están saliendo bien este año. I'm very happy, by the way, that things are coming out. I'm very happy of the efforts that I've been putting in to get these results. And why do you think you have had such an outstanding season? And did you ever believe you could be this good at baseball? ¿Por qué crees que ha hecho un, una temporada tan destacada? ¿Y alguna vez creíste que podías ser tan bueno en béisbol? Eh, sí, tú sabes, yo soy una persona que confío en mí mil por ciento. Y por eso que trato de, de trabajar todos los días más duro para que las cosas me salgan bien. Y bueno, y, y están viendo el, el resultado de todo eso. No, I'm the type of guy that likes to give a thousand percent in everything I do. Um, and I think with the hard work that I'm putting in, it's showing out on the field. What has been your favorite moment of the season thus far? ¿Cuál ha sido tu momento favorito de esta temporada hasta ahora? El nacimiento de mi niño es lo más importante que ha sido este año. The birth of my child has been the most important part of my, my year. We'll get to that. There are many players and fans who believe you are the Rays' most valuable player this year, El MVP. What do you think about that? Hay muchos jugadores y aficionados que creen que eres el MVP de este equipo de los Reyes este año. ¿Qué piensas sobre eso? No contento. Ya tú sabes que uno juega para para ellos, para para la para la afición de Tampa y bueno y contento porque ellos piensen que yo sea el jugador MVP del equipo. That makes me very happy uh, to be able to play in front of all these fans and play in front of all these people. Um, it's very special to hear that they think that I would be the MVP of this team. And you are from Sagua La Grande, Cuba, a place that you defected from, but after several tries, the first of which landed you in prison, do you ever think about that and what it has taken for you to get to where you are right now? Eres de Sagua La Grande, Cuba, lugar del que desertaste, pero después de varios intentos, los primeros te llevaron a prisión. ¿Alguna vez piensas en eso y... En lo que ha costado llegar a donde estás ahora? 
Sí, tú sabes, lo, lo, al, principio me, me, al principio cuando llegué aquí me, como que me, asusté, me asusté bastante porque pasé mucho, mucho trabajo y estuve cuatro, cuatro veces preso, pero bueno, ya con, a la vez que pasaban los años aquí en Estados Unidos se me olvidaba y bueno, y pasé muchos sacrificios, pero bueno, gracias a Dios y ya estamos aquí ya. Yeah, at the beginning it was uh, it was a little scary once I got in just because of the times that I had been caught. Um, but but since then I'm very happy that I've been here. I've been a lot more comfortable ever since I've been here. And were you always a baseball player growing up, or did you play other sports as well? And what it is what is it about baseball that you loved so much as a kid? Siempre fuiste baseballista cuando eres niño, o practicaste otros deportes también. Y qué es lo que tanto am Amabas del béisbol cuando eras niño? Eh, no, mi primer deporte eh, me gustaba más el, el fútbol que la pelota, no me gustaba mucho la, la pelota, no la veía mucho y me gustaba también bastante el, el bolseo, me gusta bastante el bolseo. Y sabes, la pelota a mí nunca me ha gustado, pero ya con, con mi entrenador allá en, en Cuba que me, me insistió tanto, ya me hice pelotero. Yeah, when I was young, I think I liked soccer more than I liked baseball. Um, and then I also was a big fan of boxing. I actually wasn't even really a big fan of baseball, but my trainer, my coaches back in the day told me I might be pretty good at it, so I stuck with it. Well, I'm glad you did. You were an all-star for the first time in your career this year. You started at first base for the American League, and you hit a home run in the all-star game in Seattle. What did all of that mean to you? Fuiste un all-star por primera vez en tu carrera este año. Iniciaste en la primera base de la Liga Americana y conectaste un home run en el juego de estrellas en Seattle. ¿Qué significó todo eso para ti? No te digo, eso significó mucho porque cualquier pelotero que está aquí jugando en Grandes Ligas, un Liam Honor, quisiera llegar a un juego de estrellas y eso o sea, me puso muy contento y, y más cuando los fanáticos votaron por mí para pa iniciar desde el primer día el juego de estrella y me siento contento por eso. No, it feels very good to, to be at the All-Star Game. That's every major league or minor league player's dream is to get up there, and it feels very good to be able to get voted in to be able to start for that All-Star Game. Now we're going to get to Little Yandy. You became a father for the first time just after the All-Star Game to Little Yandy. What has it been like to be a dad? Te convertiste en padre por primera vez justo después del juego de las estrellas del peque de Yandy pequeño, ¿sí? ¿Cómo ha sido ser papá? Tú sabes, es emocionante, difícil, pero, pero no imposible. Y me siento contento de, de, de ser papá y, ¿sabes? Y para mí mi niño es una, una bendición de Dios, ¿sabes? Y lo, y lo quiero con la vida. It's, it's a blessing. It's definitely been a blessing. Being a father, it's definitely emotional. It's a little different, but not in a bad way. But it's not impossible. You know, it's been a great change in my life, and I'm very happy. You've talked about how being a father has helped you at the plate, especially in clutch, tense moments. Can you explain why? Has hablado de cómo ser padre te ayuda en el plato, especialmente en momentos tensos y decisivos. ¿Puedes explicar por qué? No, tú sabes, soy una persona que me gustan como los momentos esos difíciles. Ahí yo saco los... Lo, lo mejor de mí, tú sabes, y, y cuando estoy en ese momento, actualmente pienso bastante en mi hijo y eso me da más, más fuerza a la hora de batear. I've always been a player that likes those big moments, likes those uh, tense, pressured moments. Uh, but in those moments, I, I like to think of my son, keep him in my mind, so that it calms me down to be in those situations. And you can't talk about Yandy Diaz without talking about his muscles, ¿vale? Primarily his biceps. How do you get those biceps so big, Yandy? No se puedo hablar de Yandy Diaz sin hablar de sus músculos, principalmente de sus bíceps. ¿Cómo consigues esos bíceps tan grandes, Yandy? No, yo creo que desde que yo estaba en la barriga de mi mamá, yo estaba, yo estaba, yo estaba haciendo ejercicio, pero bueno, ya que, estoy, ya que he crecido parece que los músculos se, se han desarrollado más. I feel like when I was in my mom's womb, I was already lifting weights. It feels, it feels like I had uh, already been lifting weights ever since I was little. And I ever, think ever since I've grown up, the muscles just kind of went along with it. And final question for you, Yandi. I know you're a busy guy. I've heard that you're afraid of ghosts. So have you had any experiences with them that you can tell us about? Ultima pregunta para ti, Yandi. He oído que te dan miedo los fantasmas. ¿Has tenido alguna experiencia con ellos que puedas contarnos? No, no yo simplemente de, 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 que era, de, de que era chiquito, 
no me gusta, no me gusta en el sentido de la, la oscuridad. Siempre le he tenido miedo porque pienso que en la oscuridad hay fantasmas y eso todavía lo tengo en la cabeza. Ever since I was little, I was afraid of the dark, because I always associated that with ghosts. So as I got older, that's just always stuck with my head. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time, Yandi and Manny. We appreciate it. Muchas gracias para uh, ustedes. Gracias a ti por la entrevista. Thank you very much for having us. Ray's longtime TV announcer, Dwayne Stats, to get some perspective on the Ray's 2023 campaign, as well as the story of how the play-by-play -play man wound up in St. Petersburg. Plus, we'll check in with Ray's dietitian, Courtney Ellison, and we'll wrap it all up with Ray's broadcaster, Andy Freed, from Rogers Center in Toronto. That's all coming up next on the Ray's Baseball Network. And we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with the TV voice of the Rays, Mr. Dwayne Stats. Dwayne, thanks so much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to be in your company. <laughs> so um, we'll get on with this and see what happens because it could be a roller coaster ride. It, it, it could be. <laughs> much like the Rays 2023 season, how has it been for you personally so far? We know you had some, some voice issues there out in Arizona, so that was a little wrinkle. And obviously the team started out really hot. Uh, then they went through that bumpy July, but... Now they've clinched the postseason berth for the fifth straight year. Yeah, and I, I think every club, no matter how good it is, you're going to hit a spot where, you know, you you lose your voice, so to speak. Uh -huh. I think that's part of the makeup of a regular season. It's how you bounce back, and this club has done that. There's no question. I think not only has it been a good club, it has been a, a fun club to watch because it's such a, a variation of talent and you know, uh, you'd think, well, with injuries, what are you going to do? Well, this organization has dealt with that before, and I don't know that they've ever done a better job than they've done this year. This is your 48th season broadcasting. It's your 26th year with the Rays. You've been here since the very beginning. You've seen it all from the Devil Rays to now the Rays. I mean, how satisfying is it for you to see what – the Devil Rays have turned into. You know, it's been a great, uh, a great experience and a great ride. I'll tell you, one of my childhood idols was Gene Elston, who was among the original voices for the Houston Colt 45s uh -huh. and eventually the Astros. I grew up in a baseball hotbed in St. Louis. Uh, all my buddies were Cardinal fans. Actually, I was downstate Illinois. We had a few Cub fans in the mix, and I, by accident and the grace of the good lord uh, ran across a houston colt 45 broadcast on my little green plastic radio and i became an astros fan and while the cardinals were winning pennants and all of that and so i kind of stayed the course with them and and gene elston is is a guy who um, i is my frame of reference in terms of all broadcasters so when you think about getting through a season uh, you knew that it was going to be uh, from the beginning, from 98, there would be a lot of losing, just like my childhood with uh, the Houston franchise. They lost forever, <laughs> you know, when the Cardinals were winning pennants in 64, and yeah. 67, and 68. And, and I thought, when I had this opportunity to come here, I thought, what an experience it will be. It's, it, it will be a challenge, but it will be fun, and let's face it, whether... Whether a club wins or loses, you're in this business, it still beats working. And and so I've avoided that my entire professional life. <laughs> That's how I feel about it also. Do you have any favorite moments from your time here with the Rays or the Devil Rays? Well, I, I'll tell you, um, you know, the, the first pitch was really interesting because uh, Wilson Alvarez was out there. Richie Garcia was the plate umpire. And Wilson was admittedly very nervous in that first pitch. He missed by like five feet, and I and I always joke with Richie when I see him, if you had only called that first pitch a strike, you know those early years might have been different, but um, but you set the uh, the tone for what we suffered through. But I'll tell you, I I think uh, um, among other things, of course, Wade hitting the home run on hit number three thousand, but Longoria's home run and that whole comeback process, and then to have Evan cap it the way he did. I think those are some of the great moments, you know, in this franchise history. And there are some great moments since then, and I have a good feeling in the future with this club. 
How did you become the Rays broadcaster? Because I know you're with uh, a few other teams in the majors before, which we'll get to. But how did that opportunity arise? Well, I, I broke in with the Astros on their crew uh, at a very young age. I got a chance to, to do that. I did an audition in Chicago when the, when the uh, Cubs and the uh, Astros were playing. And based on that, joined their crew the next year. Then had an opportunity to go to Chicago uh, when they were adding uh, uh, a guy to their crew. Uh, so I did six on radio and three on TV there. There was a great opportunity. And then um, that, uh, I, I guess, maybe the, the first big rights deal in New York when Madison Square Garden Network made that rights deal with the Yankees. And I got a call out of the blue from Bob Gutkowski. And um, he said, hey, we'd like you to come up here. I said, well, let me think about that for a minute. But it turned out Tony Kubek uh, went up there as my partner, and, and that was great. And from there I went to ESPN, did the Wednesday night game, as well as football and basketball, college stuff for them. And then when when this franchise popped open, uh, it, I was already living in Florida uh, based on, well, when I took the New York job and ESPN job. And so I got some inquiries about that and, and uh, inquired right back myself. I just thought how ironic it is that I would have an opportunity to uh, be at the ground floor of an expansion club when I spent my uh, misspent youth uh, rooting for an expansion team all those years uh, with the Houston club. It was, it was almost as if it was a full circle situation. And so I said, you know, that could be really fun to do. I know there will be some pain and misery and all of that, but there'll be some great moments. And then to watch this team blossom and and flourish the way it has under uh, Stu Sternberg and his ownership and and the the innovations that we have seen take place, it's really, uh, I think this franchise has transformed baseball uh, almost more than anything in, in baseball history. You know, except for maybe uh, allowing uh, defenders to wear gloves when you play, you know, things like that. So I, it's been a great experience. There's no question. And unique and fulfilling at the same time. Did you always want to be a, a baseball broadcaster or was there something else you wanted to do with your life? And how old were you when you finally realized, you know what, I'm going to go down this path and not work, to use your words there? Well, you know, like a lot of us, we grew up playing as kids in school and all that. And I think... Uh, I think early I realized I was a good enough judge of talent that nobody was going to pay me to play. And uh, at, at high school, we had a guy, you know, who was a behemoth and threw back then, if you threw 95 or 90, that was a big deal. You know, and, and, and he went nowhere. And I go, well, I don't have a shot. You know, there's no way that this is going to work out. And the broadcasting did. And I really have to give a lot of credit to, um, to Gene Elston. I wrote him letters. I uh, wrote letters to Harry Carey and Jack Buck and all those people, and they were kind enough when I was a kid to respond, and I thought that was the greatest thing of all time. And so really from being a, a baseball uh, fanatic as a child and then growing up and trying to truly assess what my abilities may or may not be, I thought about the law for a, a time, and actually uh, a friend of ours who was an attorney talked talk me out of it he goes no you don't want to go to law school I know you know you I'd spent two years in the minor leagues and things weren't happening quickly enough you know so I go well maybe I should and he said no you don't want to do that and that was some of the greatest advice that uh, the good lord allowed anybody else to um, to give me there's something to be said about sticking with it because I remember when I was in the minor leagues too and years would pass and you're like is this ever going to happen am I ever going to get up there but of course it did for you but let's go to the minor leagues now. You were with the Oklahoma City 89ers. I'm curious, what do you remember about your time there, and what were the minor leagues like back in those days? Well, a couple things I remember. One is Dwayne Kuyper. He was he was he started the year at that club, struggled offensively. They sent him back to San Antonio, their Double A club. Rick Manning, as as a teenager, was there, and so we've had these relationships in baseball all of those years. Uh, I went there. I did, uh, as, as you know, life in the minor leagues, you don't show up and just broadcast the game. So I did everything else. You know, you're going to sell. You're going to paint the ballpark if it needs painting. You're going to sweep the floor if it needs sweeping. Whatever it took to get those two years. And I, um, 
I had an opportunity in the middle of my junior year in college to do that. We were on the quarter system, so it allowed me to get two years of minor league baseball, AAA at that time, and and then take an extra year to finish and get the degree. But I did that, and I thought this could be time well spent. So that's in a in a nutshell, that's how it all happened. And then, how did you end up breaking in with the Astros initially? Well, I had um, I had that correspondence with uh, with Gene Elston, and had met. Uh, their director of broadcasting when they came through St. Louis because I spent about, getting out of college, I spent about a year and a half doing TV sports in St. Louis. So I met them, and um, I was actually driving home from uh, the evening news, tuned in the Astros game, and Bob Prince spent one year on that crew with Gene Elston. And Bob was, uh, as you know, a legend in Pittsburgh, a little different in Houston, and he he was only going to be there that one year. And I listened to a broadcast on my way home, and and Prince says, he, he comes out and he says, um, I understand that some of you don't like a lot of stories on the air on radio, so I'm not going to give you any of that. You want just the game, so here goes. That's a strike. Ball one. And he did the whole inning like that. Wow. And I went, something's up there. Yeah. So I got on the horn and called Gene Elston and Art Elliott and said, what's going on? And that really led to my audition later that summer in uh, Chicago when the team came up there. And through all of that, I got a call from uh, Art Elliott and Tal Smith uh, was the uh, GM at that point. And they said, well, we want you to come to Houston and let's talk some baseball. I did, and then I wound up on that crew, and it was it was an unbelievable blessing uh, beyond my imagination that at that age, you know, I could get that opportunity. And I just said to myself, this might be the only opportunity you get, so you'd better not mess it up. And uh, I probably had a little more colorful term for it then, but um, and and so I went up there and said, look. Here's my chance. I can't ask for anything more than that. And how old were you at the time? 23. Wow. And I, and I thought, well, hey, let's let's see what happens. And, and, and here you are. Now now the voice, voice of the Rays, you were with the Cubs and the Yankees as well. And I read you've called over 7,000 big league games and 10 no-hitters, including Nolan Ryan's fifth, Jim Abbott's in 1993 with the Yankees and Matt Garza's, of course, in 2010. Do you have a favorite one of those no-hitters? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I, I did Ken Forsh's no-hitter was the first one. And uh, I, the Jim Abbott no-hitter was just great because, number one, what he had to overcome physically and what a wonderful man he was and, and is. And probably that I was I, – Thrilled and honored to be part of covering uh, Nolan's fifth no-hitter. Uh, again, a great human being as well as a great pitcher. So, And they're all special. You know, they are. And the fact that the Rays have been no-hit a few times, you know, kind of kind of cushioned that, uh, that total a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the ones you mentioned were the ones that were really fun. And finally, do you have any advice for young broadcasters? You broke in at uh, an extremely early age, 23. Some of these guys takes a little longer for me i was i was what age i am now in my mid-30s and i was in the minors for about eight years you mentioned that you were there for two what advice do you have for the young broadcasters out there who are trying to break into this business well number one uh the guy who ran the club in oklahoma city was an o-line baseball operator named dick king and he was a taskmaster i mean you were going to work but if if he realized some talent in you he would, he would tell you that, and essentially, you take a great work ethic to the minor leagues or wherever you are. Be willing to do any and everything to, to position yourself to win, and I think that's what you have to do. Uh, we're all, all of us have gifts. We all have some gift of one kind or another. We have to identify that, I believe, and then work as hard as you can. Work harder than the next guy. Do all your prep. That's one of the things that uh, at Oklahoma City, he, um, Dick King, 
kind of drove home to me. He goes, you'd better be prepared because listen to this guy. He's not prepared. So when you're on, you'd better be prepared. And that's something that, I, that I'm probably, uh, you know, a little um, overboard with. My wife will tell you that. If I, you know, and, but we're all that way. If we get to this level, you're doing work at home. You know, you're, you're doing homework. I'm sure you did, too, for tonight's game uh, before you ever get to the ballpark. And, and I would have it no other way. Yeah. And it sure beats uh, working for a living, doesn't it? Uh, you stole that from me, yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate the time, though, Dwayne Stats. Best of luck the rest of the season, and hopefully the Rays will bring home a World Series this year. Yeah, how exciting that would be. I'll tell you, the fans here would deserve it. And, and this bunch here in the clubhouse, dugout, and on the field, they deserve it too because it's been fun to watch this team. Uh, there's no quit. They work hard and I think if anybody deserved that kind of uh, reward, it would be this bunch. Well, thanks again, Dwayne. My pleasure. Good to see you. We certainly appreciate the time of Ray's TV broadcaster, Dwayne Stats. Coming up, a fun conversation with Ray's dietitian, Courtney Ellison. Stay with us. We're coming right back on the Rays Baseball Network. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with the Rays dietitian, Courtney Ellison. Courtney, thanks for taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. So this is your second season with the Rays. 2023 has been up and down, to say the very least. How has it been for you personally so far? It's been really good. Really busy, but really good. And, and you were named a Major League dietitian back in January of 2022. So it is your second season with the Rays, as we discussed. But how did that opportunity come about? So I was actually working with the Pirates in, at that time, and my mentor and boss was leaving, and so I was looking for other opportunities to grow, and this position just so happened to come up, and I was already living in the area because I was working at the complex in Bradenton for the Pirates, so I applied, and then that's how it happened. So the rest, as they say, is history. Yeah. <laughs> well... What was it about being a dietitian that was so appealing to you from the beginning? From the beginning, I would say just growing up as an athlete, you know, trying to marry the performance side with the nutrition side always intrigued me from a young age. So that opportunity came up whenever I got to college and realized that sports nutrition was a career path that I could take. So just kind of worked out nicely that I always really had an interest in it already. So... Well, I'm going to take this directly from the media guide, okay? So you design and implement nutrition recovery and fueling strategies to maximize performance goals. In layman's terms, what does that mean exactly? It really just means that I help these guys develop a routine. Most of them have some sort of routine by the, by the time they get up here, whether that be their pregame, postgame, whatever that looks like. So really by the time they get here, we're just trying to tweak that and make it better. So... I really look at what these guys' lives are like outside of baseball and what can fit on a fueling and recovery side from from within baseball to their outside lives. So if they have kids at home or whatever their day looks like, what can they do to make sure they're maximizing their performance on the field? So pretty much it. And what are some of the challenges of doing your job besides the obvious? I mean, I know everyone's different, right? So everyone has a different diet. I say probably the biggest challenge of being a dietitian in general is handling the food aspect of it. Um, you know, nutrition is 24-7. But, you know, from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed, we're either planning our next meal or eating our next meal. So 
these guys are having to fuel all day long. So making sure that we're providing a good mixture of quality performance foods and then also making sure that we're trying to please everyone, which is impossible with food. So that's probably my biggest challenge. <laughs> you probably get a lot of complaints every now and then, right? Not, not too bad, not but too we bad. definitely get them for sure. Yes. Well, you, you mentioned you were with the Pirates for three years. Are there major differences between Pittsburgh and here as far as the organization goes? I feel like this has probably been said every time a player has also been asked whenever they've been in different organizations. But the culture and the environment here is unlike anything I've ever experienced before. And so it definitely makes coming to work a lot easier. It's really fun. Everyone really enjoys being here, and it's not a stressful environment. So everyone can feel like they can do their job effectively all of the time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really nice. I, I do love the environment and culture here. You were born in, uh, or you raised in Tennessee. As, as you can tell, she's got a little bit of an accent, folks. But you went to the University of Tennessee, so you're a Vol. But you also went to Lipscomb University, which is in Nashville, I believe, right? And that's where you got your master's in uh, exercise and nutrition science. Have you always wanted to do this, though? Like, at what age did it dawn on you that, you know what? I think doing something with food might be in my future. So we had a strength and agility camp whenever I was in high school that we had a person come in and talk about nutrition. I don't think it was a dietitian, but I can't really remember. But they talked about the importance of fueling and recovering in conjunction with what we were doing in camp. And so that kind of raised a red flag for me, like, oh, I'm really interested in this. So when I went to college, I, for some reason, decided to double major with nutrition and kinesiology. Had no idea really what I wanted to do with it until my sophomore year where my um, the dietitian at UT at that time, who ended up actually being my mentor with the Pirates, um, she came and spoke to us about sports nutrition. And this was a while ago, whenever um, sports nutrition was very, very new. And so at this time, it wasn't really a big field. So that's when I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. So kind of took that career path and then ended up here. But it's it's definitely a growing field that at the time that I decided to do this was not super popular. Have you always been a baseball fan or at least a sports fan? Yes, always a sports fan, uh, not necessarily a baseball fan, but I played softball growing up, and my husband played college baseball, so it was an easy decision. These days, it seems like none of us can agree on anything, right? I mean, you, you throw one topic out there besides the weather, and you're going to get a, one voice on one side and a dissenting voice on the other. Let's talk about eggs real quick, okay? So I remember when I was working in the minors with the Montgomery Biscuits, the AA affiliate for the Rays, we had a dietitian come in, and we got to pepper her with all kinds of questions like, is this food good? Is this food bad? Eggs. Are eggs good or bad? Because she said that day that they are good, but there are people out there, perhaps other dietitians, who will say, don't eat eggs. The yolk's terrible for you. Your cholesterol is going to go through the roof. Courtney Ellison, eggs, good or bad? That dietitian was correct. Eggs are great. They are a powerhouse of nutrients, and they got a bad rep because people thought eating cholesterol would raise your cholesterol, and that's not the case. And so that's where we kind of landed on the the egg discussion. But, yes, eggs are great for you. Like I said, a nutrition powerhouse. And a few final questions before I get you out of here. Just about diet in general. Obviously, most of the people listening to this podcast are not professional athletes, but there are probably some things that they could do to take better care of themselves. Are there some foods that you would recommend? And I just have a personal question. If I'm working out, do I want to eat before or after? Like, how soon? So I know that's a lot that I throw at you just there, but let's start with some of the foods that people might be able to implement into their diet. This is going to be the most dietitian answer ever. (laughs) But for the most part, even here in the clubhouse, we see that everyone is not eating enough fruits and veggies so for the most part trying to make at least half your plate fruits or vegetables that's always a goal lean proteins quality carbohydrates for energy so those are the I mean the basics that you hear all the time are the basics that I would also tell you to do Um, I forgot your second question as far as working out right like do I want to eat before or after and how soon before or after should I eat like if I'm lifting weights that day for instance It depends on what you have going on that day. We like to at least try to get these guys to eat 
two hours before the game, and it's at least it's with the baseball schedule. It's kind of hard because sometimes we're off the field an hour before the game, but whenever it's uh, you're in a, a time frame crunch, there you want to make sure that you're getting quick digesting carbs in before, and then afterwards, just making sure we're getting good quality protein. Again, carbohydrates. People forget that you have to replenish those after you work out. So making sure that we're pairing a good lean protein and carbohydrates post-workout. What's an example of a good carbohydrate for people? Oh, gosh. There's so many. I mean, pasta, rice, potatoes. Quinoa? Quinoa. Okay. Yeah, we have some guys that love, love some quinoa. So, okay. yeah, good quality carbs. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Courtney Ellison, the, the Rays dietitian, for joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. That's fabulous insight. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate Courtney Ellison for taking the time to be with us today. Coming up, we'll go to Rogers Center in Toronto and hear from Rays broadcaster Andy Freed. Stay with us. We're coming right back on the Rays Baseball Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball with Rays broadcaster Andy Freed. And Andy, we're at the tail end of another season, the 2023 campaign. I have to know before we get into the weeds on things, has this been the most roller coaster year of your illustrious broadcasting career? <laughs> More than my just, just illustrious, as you say, broadcaster. I, I just think for the Rays, I mean, it's really been an amazingly uh, strange roller coaster year. And it's just like the list keeps on going. Every time we think we've reached some sort of a plateau where things will start to be normal, nothing goes normal this year. And uh, I think being in baseball, you have to be prepared for moments like that. But it also, uh, how can you be? I mean, there have been so many unforeseen things to happen this year, from going back to spring training to even the Wander thing. Who could have ever predicted that? To, to them celebrating after a, a win in Boston where they didn't clinch anything. I mean, nothing has really been normal this year. But bottom line, they've won 97 games. I mean, what more can you really hope for? What did you make of last night's series opener against the Blue Jays? Obviously, obviously, it's it's a weird time, right? Because the Jays need these wins a lot more than the Rays do. And as Kevin Cash said post-game yesterday, they're trying out a few things right now. It is almost like tryouts. I think you and Neil Solons were talking about that as you wrapped up the broadcast. But Aaron Savali doesn't go that long. And then Zach Littell comes on as a reliever for the first time in a couple of months. And then Taj Bradley pitches in the late innings. I mean, what did you make of yesterday? Obviously, 11-4, to 4, a tough result. But that's not what you're probably going to see come playoff time. No, and it wasn't that dissimilar last week against the Blue Jays, too. Um, you know, there were a lot of matchups, pitcher-to-batter matchups, that you will not see uh, again after this weekend. Um, so, I... What to make of it? I, to me, it's almost feeling like the end of spring training when you're trying to put your roster together. You'd like to win. You'd like the team to rev it up a little bit. But last night we saw there were two teams on the field. One had something to play for. The other had absolutely nothing to play for. And, uh, you know, there are so few teams in the hunt uh, for the for who could be the raised competition. I, I My sense is that they feel about equally about all of them, their, their raised chances. I mean, the the Rays are a shell of their team right now. And yet, basically, they've still won a lot of baseball games. Yesterday, though, it sure looked like winning was down on the priority list for the Rays. They, they wanted to utilize pitchers in situations that they might be used this coming week. Uh, Savali showed a little bit of rust. Latell, for whatever reason, was not sharp. And that's a guy that doesn't walk anybody. And he walked two batters when he'd walked seven for the entire year. So everything was a little bit off. And the Blue Jays, to their credit, they're pushing. They, they need to win to get in. And I think when you get to this point of the year, if you're the Rays, uh, you've earned that luxury of being able to work things however you want. You know, Craig Council and the Brewers are receiving some criticism on the way they played yesterday, but they've earned that right too. You know, all the teams that have clinched, yes, they do have a, a responsibility to give di dignity to the game, and I think they did. But at the same time, it's pretty clear what's going on. The Rays are trying to figure out who is going to be on the roster and trying to, I think, shield a little bit 
of potential matchups against these Blue Jays when it counts next week. There are still four teams vying for three playoff spots in the American League, Andy, and we have two games left in the season. Do you have a preference as to who the Rays play in the first round? It's looking like it's going to be Toronto, but it could be Houston. It could be Texas. It could even be Seattle if it all shakes out. <laughs> you know, I, I, I told myself that after the 21 season, I'm out of the prediction business because, or who I, the who I want the Rays to play business because uh, in 2021, the Rays were far and away the best team in the division. And that was really saying something. They won 100 games. They pretty much dominated everybody. And of those teams remaining that the Rays could have played, uh, it was the Yankees, it was the Red Sox, and uh, I for, I'm forgetting who the other team was. I was so sure that I wanted the Rays to play the Red Sox. They dominated them in every way. They were clearly the better team. And yet, even though they won game one, the Rays fell apart and lost a couple of close games, two walk-offs at Fenway. The lesser team won, and that was as bitter a law, uh, a series loss as the Rays have ever had in the playoffs. I was talking to some Red Sox people about it, and even uh, just this week, and even they admitted, they, it's all about who just gets hot. It's really not who the best team is. So, to answer your question, I don't have a preference. I, I think whoever you play is going to be a tough matchup. If it's the Blue Jays, then you're probably dealing with Gosman, and you're probably dealing with Barrios and Bassett. If it's the Astros, you're dealing with Verlander, and you're dealing with Framber Valdez and Christian Javier. If it's Seattle, you're probably dealing with Castillo and Kirby and Logan Gilbert. Uh, and if it, you know, maybe we want Texas now. I mean, they seem to be struggling at the worst time, but that's a team that goes in and out. I mean, we've they've lost terrible defeats here down the stretch, and then they've won a bunch. So they're, they're, a, they're all going to be good teams that you play. They're all going to be good pitching staffs that you play. So I'm out of the who I want to play business, and I'm in the whoever does get in. Um, I, I just hope the Rays play well, because if it is an early exit this year for the Rays, and look, on paper it probably should be with all the players they're missing, but they are playing with a degree of heart right now and a lot of spirit, and I'd love to see them at least get through the first couple of rounds. And they're going to host this time, right, in the right. American League wildcard series, and they've played better at home than, than just about everybody in Major League Baseball. Let's talk about Kevin Cash's season. Now, the Orioles, of course, they finished first in the American League East. We've been chasing them for most of the second half. The Rays have. So, Brandon Hyde probably going to win AL Manager of the Year, but really, shouldn't it be Kevin Cash because of how decimated this team is? I think it's been Kevin Cash's greatest work. Uh, he's been with us since 2015, and uh, I think the, the job he did in 2019 was incredible. Uh, similar to this, in 2020, you know, he also won Manager of the Year, and it, it was a short season. He did a great job. 21, he navigated through injuries and did a great job. Even 22, just getting into the postseason was, was kind of interesting. By far, this year, he has done amazing work as a manager, and he'll be the first one to give credit to his coaching staff. But no one, in particular the Orioles, no one has undergone the, the, la the, the loss of players the way the Rays have. What have the Orioles had to overcome this year? They've had a best-case scenario year. All their young players have developed faster than they expected. I think the only bit of adversity that they've really had to deal with is losing Felix Bautista. But by that point, they already had a lead in the division. And I do give them credit for being able to maintain it without a guy that I think should have gotten some Cy Young votes this year and still should in Felix Batista, but they have had nothing to do with compared to Kevin Cash. And spare me with Bruce Bochy. I mean, I, Bruce Bochy's clearly a great, great manager, but that's a, a, a loaded team with a high payroll that has stars at, at nearly every position and in the rotation, and they've dealt for stars throughout the year. I mean, come on. Uh, to me, it's pretty clear that it should be Cash, but what do I think? I think Hyde's going to win it because I think the Orioles are kind of the darlings right now, and they deserve it, and I like Brandon Hyde a lot. Um, but to me, and I'll admit I'm biased, but I think Kevin Cash has done absolutely amazing things this year for the race in getting in to win 97 games. They haven't had their full team for one game this whole season. They never had the whole group together. It's amazing. And then, of course, their prize, if the Rays do get past the first round, will be the Baltimore Orioles and Brandon Hyde. You were talking about the Texas Rangers there for a moment, Andy. One of their stars is Corey Seager, a guy who is now hitting 331 after an 0-for-1 performance last night. 
Yandy Diaz for the Tampa Bay Rays is now hitting 330 after a two-for-two performance yesterday. Nice to see him healthy again. He pummeled that two-run home run. Yandy has a chance of winning this batting title for real now. I mean, it's been coming for the last week or so, but now he's a point behind Seager. But I want to go even further than that. Shohei Otani, far and away the best player in the game, most would argue. He has not played in about a month at this point, and yet he has been the runaway American League MVP for most of the season. But really, when you take a look at it, shouldn't it be Yandy Diaz? I mean, the thought first occurred to me, Chris, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, Yandy should start getting some consideration for MVP. Maybe he should be a top five guy. As these weeks have gone along, uh, I, I don't think it should be that close. I think Yandy Diaz should be most valuable player in the American League. First of all, just from a race standpoint, he's going to set the franchise record for highest average. Um, and I know that's not the, you know, that's. That's your dad and your grandfather's stat uh, batting average. But to me, it still means something. If you're hitting 330 and you've been an everyday player since the beginning of the season, that says something. Um, he's hit for power. He's been the leader of the team, in particular post-Wander. He's been the best player and most important player on this team. And I, I don't know who else I would consider. Shohei Otani, player of the year, always. Um, but if you're talking about the essence of what is most valuable player. You know, I look at 1988 and Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson won the MVP that year, and his numbers are rather similar uh, to Yandy's this year. He had a few more stolen bases, and he played left field, and he played it really well. Um, We think of what Gibson did in the World Series. He had won at bat in the World Series. Uh, But I look at that year. I think he had 25 home runs. We were just looking this up recently, and yet everyone knew around the league that he was the most important, the most viable player on the best team. And for the Rays, or at least one of the best teams, for the Rays to win 97 games, you take anyone else off this roster, even Wander, and they've still won a lot of games. You take Yandy Diaz off this roster, I don't think this team is even close to 97 wins, and he, they may not even be at 90 wins this year. Uh, so to me, Yandy Diaz for American League MVP, and again, people are going to say you're a shill and you're being biased. Trust me, I'm really not. <laughs> uh, but I don't know. And, and I don't know. Unless I am. Maybe I am. I don't know. But uh, I'm really trying to look at it. Uh, clear-eyed and not through raised colored glasses, as we like to say. I really think he's been the most important player uh, to his team than uh, anyone else in the American League. I agree with you, Andy. And I, I think it's one of those things where, yeah, Otani could probably win it every year. We're not questioning uh, if Yandy Diaz is better than Shohei Otani at baseball. No, it's the most valuable player award. And this year it should probably go to Yandy Diaz. I'll end on this. What do you think the Rays' pitching rotation is going to look like come next week? We saw Zach Eflin flip-flop with Tyler Glass now against Boston. So, presumably, Eflin would be the game one starter, no? That's what I thought. In fact, I thought that became rather evident when they flip-flopped him in the rotation. In terms of days off and the order that they went in Boston, you would think that that would be the case. I I certainly did. Uh, Each of them would start with a full week's rest, but... It, it certainly sounds like the Rays may very well be leaning towards Glass now in Game 1 and Eflin in Game 2. Uh, that's not in stone yet, uh, but it certainly sounds like, from what we're hearing, that that is what the Rays are considering. Uh, I was trying to think of the reasons for it. Uh, maybe to have Eflin pitch in high pressure, whether you're up a game or down a game, a guy that would tend to give you innings, where Glass now might give you innings, but you might want to work the bullpen a little bit that day. And if so, Eflin's a guy that could give you seven then the bullpen's in better shape for Game 3, which I think is looking like perhaps a savali Latell bullpen day with Armstrong and Fairbanks and uh, all the and Stevenson, all those guys to try to whittle down the outs against the Blue Jays. So I, I'm starting to think it's going to go Glastow-Eflin, but right now we don't really know. And then a bonus question for you, Andy. Pete Fairbanks had a big moment at Fenway Park. He looked really good. Three up, three down, all via the strikeout. He let out a huge yop at the end for his 25th save. Do you think he's back? Because we know that he's kind of been going through it the last couple of weeks. I do think he's back, and I think he's one of the more unheralded late relievers in the game. Uh, There have been, I'm going to say, three or four appearances this year for Pete where things haven't gone well. Uh, uh, We saw one last homestand. We saw one against Cleveland. There was one against the Mets and one against the Rangers earlier in the year. 
Outside of that, he has been as locked down as any late reliever in all of baseball, not just the American League. So I, I don't know if they can win if Pete's not at his best, but I think Pete's confidence is sky high right now. And uh, like Neil said on the broadcast yesterday, yesterday, just ask Mariana Rivera, what's a good percentage of saves versus save opportunities? You get to 90-some percent, and you're doing amazingly well, and that's right where Pete is this year. You hand in the ball, uh, and more often than not, you're going to get a guy that nails it down. The league hates facing Pete Fairbanks. 100-mile-an-hour fastball from that short-arm delivery and a great breaking ball. And to me, if Pete Fairbanks – and remember, he's the guy that, that saved it against the Astros – uh, to win the pennant back in 2020. I think if it comes down to a one-run lead and Fairbanks is on the mound in game two or three against whomever the Rays are playing, I think the Rays will lock it down. I, I wouldn't be more comfortable with anyone else than Pete Fairbanks trying to lock it down. Well, Andy, thanks a lot for your time, and we'll see you Tuesday. I sure hope, Chris, that we've got great moments left. It's been an amazing year. Roller coaster. I think we've all lost years off our lives and uh, accumulated some gray hairs. Uh, but one of my favorite parts of the year is that you've joined us. Uh, so I'm anxious to go through this ride with you and, and just enjoy the postseason, however long it lasts. And let's hope it goes for about another four or five weeks. I can't wait. Thanks for the kind words, Andy. Yeah, and enjoy the rest of your time in Toronto. We'll see you next week. Looking forward. And we certainly appreciate Andy Freed's time on this week in Rays Baseball. And we also want to thank our other guests on the show today, including Rays first baseman Yandy Diaz for discussing the All-Stars' epic 2023 season and becoming a father for the first time. To Dwayne Stats for taking a few minutes to talk to us about his illustrious broadcasting career, as well as Rays dietitian Courtney Ellison for setting the record straight on eggs. If you ever have something you want to hear on the show, all you have to do is tweet me, and you can do so fairly easily at Chris Adams Wall and at Rays Radio. Special thanks to Chris Mathis back at our network studios and Becca Carney, Parker Welch, and Alex Fuse for on-site assistance, plus additional help from Andy Freed, Neil Solons, and Chris Miller. I'm Chris Adams Wall. That is going to do it for us for our final This Week in Rays Baseball episode Special thanks to everybody that I mentioned. This has been an absolute thrill, and let's hope the Rays can take care of the Jays here on Saturday afternoon in Canada. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, in the right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front 4-1. to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.